Well, welcome to Daystar, everybody. We are so glad that you've come to worship with us. My name's Alan, and today we're beginning a brand new series called Focal Point. Before we do that, I want to just welcome all of our campuses, all of you that have joined us online. Thanks for being a part of our service, and can we put our hands together just to welcome our church campus everywhere this morning? Thanks for joining us. And I also want to give you a little bit of an update on our legacy campaign. Most of you know last week we turned in our pledges, and it was amazing. I am so proud of our church. And however, however, I'm not going to announce our total today. And I know that's disappointing for some of you. You came really anticipating finding out. But the reason is we've still got a few dozen of our leaders and others who were not here for last week or weren't able to turn in their pledge last week that'll be doing it today. And I want to make sure that I guard their ability to hear the voice of God and to do what God is putting in their heart to do. So they'll be able to turn that in today when the rest of us or when all of us turn in our first fruits offering. So we don't want to mess that up for them. But I will say this, listen, it's going very well. And I think if we'll all do what we've talked about for the last several weeks, listen to the voice of God and do what he puts in our heart to do, I don't think we're going to have any trouble reaching our goal. And we will announce our total on December 6th. We're going to give a couple more weeks to make sure everybody gets their pledges in. And we'll do our first fruits offering. We'll talk about that at the end today. Well, this past Wednesday, y'all know, was Veterans Day. And I don't know if you do realize this, but there are 16 million veterans in the United States. And since we declared our independence, uh, million, millions of people have given, actually, set, uh, the, the number just went blank, 650,000 men and women have given their life defending our freedom. And I just thought it'd be important as we begin our service just to take a moment to say thank you to all of our veterans, all of those that have given their lives, the relatives of those who've made such a tremendous sacrifice. Again, can we put our hands together just to honor them, to say thank you to our veterans, our servicemen and women around the world. Thank you for all that you do. We love and appreciate you so much. And, and we want to be grateful. And really, that's what we're going to talk about today. I don't know if y'all know, everybody knows this story, but 15 years ago, I was pastoring another church down near Wilmington. And I was actually forced to resign for buying Bibles. Now, that seems ridiculous, but I was a, a young, I was 25 years old, very young pastor, and, and I bought about $2,000 worth of Bibles for a, a big group of brand new believers in our church, and I thought that was an obvious no-brainer decision. We had plenty of money, but apparently there were some, you know, I didn't talk to the deacons or the finance committee. I didn't go through the right channels, and it freaked everybody out. I was going to be a world dictator or something because I made decisions independently. And basically, I was forced to resign. And that was a painful moment in ministry. And, and right after I did, Daystar called, and I had the opportunity to move to Daystar, move to Greensboro. My wife, Tina, and I, we didn't have any kids at the time, and, and become the pastor of Daystar Church. But back then, Daystar Church wasn't this large, exciting, incredible church that it is today. It was a group of about 30 people in a broken down building on the outskirts 
of Greensboro. And the church I left at the time was running about 200. So it was, it didn't seem like a promotion. It seemed like a demotion. And it would have been so easy in that moment. It would have been so easy to be a victim, to have a pity party, to spend the rest of my life in ministry being critical of the way I was treated, telling everybody about how I was wrongfully terminated and, and, and really just ruined my ministry. And if I would have made a decision 15 years ago to have a pity party, do you think we'd be here today? I don't believe we would. But instead of that, in fact, I would just say it this way. In that moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to spend my life focused on the bad thing that happened to me, complaining and, and pouting? Or was I going to choose to be grateful for the opportunity I had to serve a church, to preach the gospel, to build the kingdom despite my circumstances? I had a choice to make. And that was an important choice, right? Because over the last 15 years, Daystar has grown from a church of 30 people to about 2,000. It's been an incredible journey. And the key to that journey was my focal point. See, the secret to your future is not getting a local, a, a lucky break. The secret to your future is your perspective. It's your focal point, and that's what this series is all about. And this begins with gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude empowers you to recognize and capitalize on what you have, the opportunities that are in front of you. We're not grateful, then our tendency is to focus on what we don't have, what we've lost, what's in our past, and that causes us to get stuck in a rut. But gratitude is empowering because it allows me to see the opportunities around me, to see the resources around me, and to focus my attention on taking another step forward. And as Christians, we have so much to be grateful for, right? We have all that we have in Christ, all the, all the promises and the benefits of being the children of God. And when we focus on that, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, all that we have in him, then it empowers us to, to see our next step. One thing you want to always keep in mind when you read the New Testament is when you read the New Testament, these believers, their circumstances were terrible. I mean, they were terrible. Nothing like our circumstances. They didn't have any rights. They didn't have any freedom. They didn't have health care. They didn't have a retirement plan. They didn't have 401k. They didn't have a social security program. They didn't have a voice. They didn't have the freedom of speech. They didn't, they didn't have land rights and property ownership. They didn't have anything. They were fugitive. They were enemies of the state. They were on the run. Their circumstances were terrible. But rather than focusing on their circumstances and what they didn't have, when you read the New Testament, it's obvious. Their heart is so captivated by what they do have in Christ that it empowered them to not only survive, but to thrive under such terrible conditions. 
And I believe the same thing can happen to us. That despite our circumstances, our heart is so captivated by the gospel and all that we have in Christ that we focus on him with a heart full of gratitude and our next steps become very clear. And together, man, we build the gospel, we build the kingdom, we spread the gospel, we make the world a better place. Gratitude is the feeling of being thankful for something good we really don't deserve. Gratitude is the feeling of being thankful for something good we really don't deserve. Let me illustrate it this way. If I were to go to the gas station today and buy a soda and give the guy my $20 and he gives me my change, when he gives me my change, my heart doesn't get filled with gratitude. That's my money. That's what he owes me, right? That's what he should do. But if I walk up to the counter and try to buy my soda and he says, you know, somebody paid for that for you, then immediately I experience gratitude. Why? Because I've received a benefit that I didn't deserve. And as followers of Christ, if we understand the gospel, if we understand the good news, we recognize that we've received from God this incredible gift that none of us deserve. And it fills our heart with gratitude. And that gratitude empowers us to stay focused on Jesus, empowers us to take another step forward. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Galatians chapter 1. I want to read just a couple of verses and to make sure that we understand. I want to remind us about what we have in Christ. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 3. I'm just going to read three verses. 3, 4, and 5. Here's what it says. May God our Father... And the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins. That's good news. Just as, our, as God, our Father, planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. And all glory to God forever and ever. Amen. A very simple passage, right? Let me point out four things that I think are so powerful for us to understand about the gospel that helpfully help us stay focused on Jesus and what we have in him. Here's the first thing, and that is that Jesus paid for you. Again, look what he says in verse 4. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Paul says Jesus gave his life. Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead in order to pay for my sin and to pay for your sin. Jesus came, died in order to pay for our sin debt. Listen, when someone else pays your debt, you can't help but be grateful. I mean, just imagine if somebody were to come to you and say, I'm going to pay off all your student loans, right? I'm just going to write a check. I'm going to pay it off right now. Well, there'd be some happy people around here, right? Or what if somebody came to you and said, I'm going to pay off your mortgage right now. Let me t- tell me what it is. I'm going to write you a check right now. 
Well, you'd be doing backflips. You'd be so excited. I mean, you could, you'd just be beside yourself. You'd go to bed at night. You wouldn't be able to sleep. You'd just be wide-eyed. I mean, just, you'd be going nuts. Somebody just paid off my mortgage. What if somebody paid off your cars? What if somebody paid off all your debt? Just wrote a big check. I mean, you're debt-free. We'd be, well, listen, listen, listen. What God has done for us is far more generous than that. Jesus died on the cross to pay our sin debt. Every sin we've ever committed from the moment we were born until the moment we died, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead in order to settle our account, to pay our debt. And when we understand that, it should fill our heart with gratitude. Listen to these verses. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with gold and silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He paid off our debt. And he paid with his Blood. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, It's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works. It's not something we can earn so that no one can boast. And Jesus paid our debt. When we understand the grace and the generosity of God, rather than being so caught up in our circumstances in the here and now, our attention naturally gravitates towards a God who is so good, who would pay such a high price in order to set us free from sin. Isn't that good? Here's the second thing I want you to notice is Jesus not only paid for us, he delivered us. Again, look at what he says in verse four. He says, Jesus gave his life for our sins. That's important. But he also says, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Jesus died on the cross and rose to the dead, not only to pay our sin debt, but also to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. What does Paul mean? It means salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. Jesus didn't die just so that we could go to heaven one day. Jesus died so that we could have eternal life, true, but he also died so that we could be delivered in the here and now, so that we could live in freedom. Here's, here's the way this works. When you and I place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, at that moment, he declares us innocent. That's called justification. But at that moment, the process of sanctification also begins. Sanctification is the lifelong, ongoing process where we are being conformed into the image of Jesus. He's making us like Jesus. So when I trust in Jesus, justification begins and it's once and for all. Sanctification starts and it goes throughout my life. And here's what's so important to understand. It's so important. That means if sanctification is not happening in my life, justification has not happened. So that's one of the real problems 
in American Christianity is there's millions of people in America who would say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, why? Well, because I went to church with my grandma one time when I was a kid and I went up front. And, and they think they're, they're a Christian because, you know, they just had some religious experience in their past, but there's never been any sanctification in their life. But Paul says Jesus came not only to pay our debt, but to deliver us from this evil world. Jesus came so that we could walk in freedom and victory, so that we could grow in our faith and become more and more like Jesus. So when we trust in Jesus, justification happens once and for all, and sanctification begins. So if sanctification, if you can't look back on your life and see how God is working in you to make you more like Jesus, then you should ask the question, was I ever justified? Because justification and sanctification go together. Justification happens once and for all. But in that same moment, my sanctification begins. And that's what Paul is saying. And listen, in order for that to happen, God is actually changing me. I'm not just changing my behavior. That's what sanctification is. Sanctification is not just, okay, we get better and better at managing our behavior. Sanctification is, as we get closer to Jesus, Jesus is actually producing his life in us. We are becoming a new person. So I live differently today, not because I have to, not because I'm good at following the rules, but because I've become a new person. That's the Christian life. That's the gospel. I have a new heart and the spirit of God lives in me. And God is working through his word and through his spirit and through his church to produce his life in me and in you. And man, that should fill our hearts with gratitude because not only has he saved me, he's delivering me. Isn't that good? He's delivering me. Here's the what Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, this is so important, and I, and I got to do this quickly because I'm running out of time. But in verses 8 and 9, he says, listen to this, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news from the one we've preached to you. And, and then he goes on and he says it again, and I just need to say this, this is so important. Paul is saying, listen, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let that person go to hell. It was not a politically correct statement. It's a very in-your-face statement. But Paul understands if we lose this, we've lost the gospel. That the gospel is that have you a religious experience, live like the devil your whole life, it's all gonna work out in the end. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus died to, to rescue us, to save us, but also to sanctify us. And as we stay close to Jesus, he produces his life in us. Today's one-year Bible reading, in today's one-year Bible reading, was Hebrews 12, 14, that says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That God's producing his life in us. All right, here's the third thing, and that is that God chose us. God chose us. Again, verse four, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned. Here's what's so good, is that this whole idea, Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead to save us and to sanctify us, that was God's idea, not ours. In other words, we didn't like evolve to a place of goodness to where we decided, you know what? 
Jesus should probably come and help us out. We want to do the right thing. No, 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 no. The Bible says that while, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, while we are shaking our fist in God's face, while we are running away from God as hard and as fast as we could, in that state, in that condition, Christ died for us. We're here today. We're not here today because we're good. We're here today because God is good. Right? God chose us. God chose to create us. God chose to save us. God chose to sanctify us. God chose to redeem us. God put all of this in motion. And man, that fills our heart with gratitude. It's not what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, right? His unmerited favor. Here's the fourth and final thing I want you to see. Notice verse five. He says, all this is true. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, third, to rescue us from this evil world. And then notice what he says in verse five, and all glory to God forever and ever. Here's the deal. When our heart is full of gratitude, because we're overwhelmed at all that God has done for us, he has been so good, so generous to us, that we can't help but be focused on Jesus. He is the author and a perfecter of our faith, and we got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we get our focal point right then all of a sudden our circumstances no longer have this hold and power and control over us because we're focused on Jesus and our heart is full of gratitude. We see all that we have in Christ. Our focus is on Christ and his kingdom and the next step forward becomes very obvious. And now we begin leveraging our life to build the kingdom of God for his glory and the blessing of all people. This is the Christian life. And we do this in our family, we'll be talking about that. We do this in our culture, we'll talk some about that. We do this in our workplace, we do everywhere we go because our focus is on Jesus and our heart is full of gratitude for all that we have in him. Then we give our life to build his kingdom, to bring him glory for the blessing of all people. Why? Because our focal point is right. See, so many people today, are just focused on the wrong thing. We gotta get our minds, our focus on Jesus, allowing to fill our heart with gratitude. Well, listen, for some of you, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. In fact, I suspect the day today at every campus, there are people here, and you came to church today and you would say, well, I'm a Christian. And if somebody said, well, what makes you think that? You'd say, well, you know, I, you would describe a religious experience. You'd say, well, you know, I, I used to go to church when I was growing up, and I went to this camp one time, and I went up forward, and I talked to the preacher, and he said I was a Christian now, or I joined the church, or I, I did something, right? And he says, I think I've done that. But here's, here's the thing I think you've got to ask yourself, is if, if we think we've been justified, but we don't see sanctification happening in our life. And the Bible says, examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. And maybe today, listen, maybe today you would admit, 
I've got some religion in my past, but God feels like he's a million miles away. And if that's you today, man, today you can make it right and place your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, well, I'd like to do that, but you don't understand what I've done. It's so terrible. And, and even today, my life is just a wreck. And, and before I can become a Christian, I, I've got to straighten some things out. I've got to get some things right in my life. No, you don't. The first step is to give your life to Jesus. The reason you've never been able to straighten up that stuff in your life is because you've not given your life to Jesus. The first step is to give him your life. And then as you give him your life, this is what we've talked about this morning. He will begin producing his life in you. He'll start straightening out the mess and will help. But you've got to make a decision today to take that first step to open your heart and to trust in Jesus Christ, to invite him to be your savior and your king. And if you're ready to do that, man, I want to give you a chance to do it today. So I'm going to ask us at every campus right now, if you just close your eyes and bow your heads, those of you watching online, if you close your eyes and bow your heads, and if you're ready, if you realize today, I don't think I have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to get it right. You want to settle it today. And right there in your seat, I want you to pray this prayer very quietly. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for loving me so passionately. Today, I humble myself. I'm opening my heart. Jesus, today, I trust you for salvation. I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior, to be my King. Help me to follow you. Produce your life in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out Daystar Church. We hope you've been encouraged and challenged to follow Jesus today. We love hearing about how God is working in people's lives. So if you have a story to share, please email us at mystory@daystargso.com. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or support this ministry, please visit us online at daystargso.com. Thanks again, and we hope to have you back soon.